When I see this story about Clara Looper, I think about times in my life when I didn't take a stand. I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was frustrated with a mutual friend of ours. And he began to talk derogatory about this friend, and he began to assassinate his character. And I was also frustrated with this same friend. And I had an opportunity to stand up and to do what was right. But because of my frustration, I listened to what he had to say. And I even chimed in, began to say some things that I wish I wouldn't have said about our friend. I had the opportunity to stand up and do what was right, but I didn't. And many of you can relate to me because this past week, this last month, this last year, you have been in situations at the workplace, in the community. You've been in situations with friends where you have the opportunity to stand up and to do what's right and to honor God or to bow down and crumble under the pressure. And some of you can relate to me because you didn't stand up. You didn't do the God honoring thing. And I want you to know that the Bible clearly says as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to stand up. We are called to stand firm. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 at verse number 13 and 14, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the, the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Everybody shout stand. Come on, I want you to catch that. Stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. The Bible says, listen, as a follower of Jesus, we're called to take a stand. And when the day of evil comes, don't crumble under pressure. Stand firm then. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you about three ways that you and I need to take a stand. Three ways we need to take a stand. Number one is this. Stand up by choosing character over compromise. I want to talk to you for the next few moments from the life of Daniel. Character over compromise. It says in Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent you see the other leaders knew the king was going to make Daniel second in charge of the land and you know what they did not want Daniel to get that position to become second in charge so they began to search Daniel and his life to find areas where Daniel had compromised they went on a witch hunt they were looking for some dirt on Daniel they were looking for some skeletons in his closet. They were trying to see if Daniel was a public success and a private failure. 
if someone searched your life from top to bottom, would they find some dirt on you? Would they find some skeletons in your closet? Would they find that you have been a public success but a private failure? It reminds me of a story. There was a letter sent to the IRS that stated, Dear Sirs, Last year when I filed my income tax return, I deliberately misrepresented my income. Now I cannot sleep. Enclosed is a check for $150 for taxes. If I still can't sleep, I will gladly send you the rest. A lot of people confuse character with how they feel. Well, I'm sleeping good, so everything must be okay. Well, I don't feel convicted. I don't feel bothered by what I'm doing, so it must be okay. You see, having a lack of character is the norm in our world. You see, the, the, the bar when it comes to morality, when it comes to character, when it comes to values, the bar has been set so low by our society that a lot of people can't distinguish wrong from right. A lot of people don't have a moral compass. You see, a compass tells us what direction we're going in. I'm holding a little compass in my hand. And and this compass helps me know what direction I'm going in. And if you were lost in the middle of the woods and you knew that safety was to the south, And you begin to walk and and you looked at the compass and you realize, hey, I'm headed north. And your friends say, hey, hey, let's don't turn around. Let's keep going this way. I just think this is the right way. It feels like the right way. And you start thinking to yourself, well, it kind of does feel like the right way. I think it could be the right way. And how many of you know, it doesn't matter what your friends say. It doesn't matter how you feel or how you think. The compass is right. You're going the wrong way, whether you think it or not. And when it comes to life, a lot of people don't have a moral compass and they're headed in the wrong direction. They're headed away from safety. They're headed into danger. And a lot of people don't even realize it. You see, a lot of people take their, 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 their moral cues from society. A lot of people take their moral cues from celebrities, from from TV, from culture, from their friends, from family, from what they think and what they feel, and they're headed in to danger. But Daniel had a moral compass, and Daniel took his moral cues from God's law. His moral compass was the laws of God. Check this out in Daniel chapter 6, verse number 5. It says, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. They said Daniel is so committed to God's law, the only way to keep him from becoming the ruler is by using God's law to trap him. So if you're not familiar with the story, let me give it to you. The the leaders of the day went to the king and they 
asked the king to implement a new decree, a new law into the land. And the law that they presented to the king was, we want everybody to pray to you, O king. They can't pray to another god. They can't pray to another person. They can only pray to you, O king. And if they pray to any other person, they have to be thrown into the lion's den and eaten by lions. Daniel heard the decree. He heard about the new law. And Daniel was faced with a decision. And Daniel chose character over compromise. I want you to really get the, the, the meat of this story. You see, I read to you a little earlier that Daniel was in position to become second in charge of the land. The king was going to make him second in charge. Daniel was aware of this. And you know what? Daniel knew if he went against the king's orders, the king's decrees, Daniel knew that he would fall out of favor with the king. Daniel knew that that he wouldn't get the promotion. Daniel knew that he would jeopardize the opportunity to get the raise, to climb up the corporate ladder. Daniel knew this is his moment. I can I can I can compromise and I'll probably get the job. I'll probably get the raise. I'll probably get the promotion. And Daniel has this decision, but he chose character over compromise because Daniel's moral compass was not society was not popularity was not what everybody thought Daniel's moral compass was God's laws and Daniel knew what the king and the leaders asked him to do it was sending him in the wrong direction because God's moral compass said no that's not right don't go that way and friends, if, if you and I are going to be people of character and honor God, we have to have a moral compass. And that's God's law. That's God's word. That's the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. If what you believe, if what you think, if what you do, if what you say, if how you live goes against God's word, can I tell you, you're going the wrong direction. You're not headed for safety. You're headed for, for danger. You're headed for trouble. And there's a lot of people that they don't even realize that they have no moral compass, that they have no direction from God's word. They're, they're just making up their own rules. They're just following society. And they have got themselves in the world of trouble because they're going the wrong way. You say, but pastor, 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 if I obey God's word, if I live out the Bible in my life, I'm going to look different than a lot of people that I know. I'm going to look a little weird and peculiar compared to a lot of my friends and family and co-workers. I'm, I'm going to look a lot, uh, really, really different. You're right. You will look different. Can I tell you, Daniel looked different. You look at Daniel at his day, there was a new law in the land. And, and obviously, everybody was following the law because nobody turned in somebody for praying to another God. No, 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 that, that didn't happen. They followed the law. The only person that was thrown into the lion's den was Daniel. The only person that says, I'm not going to crumble under pressure. I'm not going to bow under pressure was Daniel. He chose character over compromise. And Daniel's life was very different from everybody else's around him. 
And here's what I want you to know, people's church. We're called to be different. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you're called to be different. I really want that to sink into your heart because I know some of you are struggling. You're trying to fit in. You want to be like everybody else. You want to fit in with the fellas. You want to fit in with the ladies. You're trying to fit into culture. But I want you to know as a follower of Jesus, you are called to be different. Your life shouldn't look like the world's. Listen, you're called to a higher standard. You're called. Listen, God's law is very clear. His, his, his laws are clear and, and, and we have to follow what God's word says no matter if it's not popular you're called to be different you're called to be light you're called to be salt matter of fact the bible says it like this in in first peter chapter 2 and verse number 9 but ye, you you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation we're called to be holy a peculiar people notice that look at your neighbor and just tell them this. I knew there was something weird about you when I sat by you. Come on, tell them that. Yeah, that's it, that's it. I knew you were weird. I knew you were. I want you to hear God's word. I want this to sink into your heart. We're called to be a peculiar people that ye, you, you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Question, are you taking a stand? When you're under pressure and society's pushing on you, friends are pushing on you, are you taking a stand and choosing character over compromise? Or do you find yourself going the wrong direction in life? We're called to be people who stand up and do what's right, even when it's difficult. There's a second thing that I want you to see, a second thing, and that is this. Stand up by choosing discipline over disorder. Daniel was a man of character because he had a, he had a disciplined spiritual life. Check this out in Daniel 6 and verse 10. It says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem three times a day. He got down on his knees and prayed. Now, I know some of us would have went to the upstairs by the windows and we would have closed the windows. But Daniel left them open and he began to pray. Notice what it says, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. That's what I want you to notice. Daniel wasn't just trying to be rebellious. This was Daniel's life. He prayed every day, three times a day. That was a habit. That was a discipline for Daniel. Can I tell you something about Daniel? Daniel walked with God every day. He had a relationship with God. He had a disciplined life in serving God. And friends, in life, the reason why some people succeed and others fail has little to do with abilities. A lot of our failures can be traced to an absence of discipline. You see, a lot of people sow wild oats and then they want to pray to God for crop failure. I'm going to live how I want to live and do what I want to do. And Lord, help me now. Get me out this jam I got myself in. But the Bible does say this, a man, a woman reaps what they sow. We need to stand up and choose discipline over disorder. I want to give you two insights about choosing discipline over disorder. Number one is this, we need to be disciplined by controlling our tongue, controlling our tongue. 
Can I tell you, friends, more people are run down by somebody's loose tongue than by automobiles. It's true that people do die from car wrecks, but more people kill friendships, disrupt families, divide churches, kill a person's reputation, destroy their own life because of loose lips. And friends, we need to control our tongue. The Bible says it like this in James chapter 1 and verse number 26. If anyone considers himself religious or spiritual and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion, his spirituality is worthless. Do you have a tight rein on your tongue? Or are you a gossiper? Now, in Christian circles, in church circles, we justify gossiping. We make it something spiritual. I, I need to share something with you so we can pray for him. We need to see it. So I'm just going to share a few things because we really need the Lord to touch his life. So I'm going to share with you what I heard. Mm -hmm. Are you a liar? Are you a backbiter? Do you say one thing in somebody's face and then say something different behind their back? Are you always talking negative? Every word of your mouth is negative. The glass is always half empty and life is horrible. You're horrible. Everybody, I mean, just life's just, you've always been negative. The Bible says we have to have a tight rein on our tongue. And if you have loose lips, the Bible says that your spirituality, your religion is worthless. I've got two words for us today that I think will help all of us. When we get in those situations in life, let me give you two words. Shut up. I said that in church. Yeah, I did. I did. Because a lot of us are messing up other people's lives and messing up our own lives because we have chosen disorder over discipline. Got to keep a tight rein on our tongues. I want you to see a, a, a second insight on choosing discipline over disorder. Number two is this. We need to be disciplined in our spiritual development. Notice this in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8. It says, have nothing to do with godless, wives, or godless myths and old wives, it tells. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Everybody shout, train! I want you to catch that. Catch that. That's so key. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise, holding blessing for both the present life and the life to come. Some people ask me from time to time, Pastor Herbert, how do you grow spiritually? And what they're really asking me, they, they respect me and look up to me. And they're asking me this, Pastor Herbert, you're a man of God, a preacher of God's word, a pastor of a church. What's your secret to knowing Jesus? Because I know there's something you do. Come on, Herbert and Jesus, Herbert and Jesus. What do you do, Pastor? 
And I'm going to tell you, I don't have any secrets. If you follow me around, you'll find out that my life is pretty normal and I'll put my pants on just like you do. And I grow spiritually because I have developed some spiritual disciplines that I do. I don't have any secrets. I just, I just read my Bible every day. I get up in the morning and I, I, I read the word of God. I read the Bible. Sometimes a chapter, sometimes two chapters. Sometimes I may read five or six verses and just meditate on them. I, I just spend time daily. And I just made a habit of doing that. I, I, I've just made a, a habit, a, a discipline of, of, of praying every day. I just, I just pray every day. I, I, usually when I get up early in the morning, I, I spend some time not only reading the Bible, but, but praying and seeking God. And, and oftentimes when I'm driving down the, 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 the road, I'll have Christian music on and I'll just spend time worshiping. I'll just spend time magnifying God. I'll just spend time praying and just, just talking to the Lord. I mean, I don't have any secrets. I just, I just develop some habits in my life. I, I, I go to a small group, to a community group where other men challenge me and, and speak into my life and, and hold me accountable. I don't have any secrets. I've just developed some habits in my life. I, 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 I've centered my life and my family's life around the house of God and around the church. And I just got a habit of coming to church. I, I believe in that. And you say, well, of course you do. You're the preacher. You got to come to church but, but before I was the preacher I mean church has just been a part of my life when I was in college man I was in church almost every single Sunday I've developed that habit to grow spiritually to be fed to hear God's word and, and can I tell you I heard an old preacher say this and I believe it success starts on Sunday man I believe that man you want Monday to be good Tuesday to be good Wednesday to be good I mean make the house of God a priority success starts on on Sunday, I've just developed some disciplines in my life. Here's what I've learned. Here's what I know. Is that spiritual development, spiritual success is about your daily habits. Your daily habits. How many of you remember the interview with Allen Iverson? He was a great NBA basketball player. And one day, Allen Iverson missed practice. And they interviewed Allen Iverson. And Allen Iverson said this in his interview. Practice? We talking about practice. You mean we talking about practice? Not the game. Not the game. We're talking about practice. I mean practice. We're talking about practice. We're not talking about the game. We're talking about practice. We're, we're sitting here. You interviewing me about practice i i'm supposed to be the franchise player and we're sitting here talking about practice i, talk, I mean we're talking about practice not the game practice i'm not exaggerating this is this is how he said it practice we're talking about practice not the game we're talking about practice not the game talking about practice we're sitting here talking about practice i mean we're talking about practice not the game practice he did that for two and a half minutes go listen to it on youtube practice not the game, we're talking about practice. We're sitting here talking about practice, not the game. Practice. And, and can I tell you that I love Allen Iverson as a basketball player, but he's wrong on that. <laughs> because when it comes to life and when it comes to spiritual development, practice matters. 
You see, you see we, we love the big event. We're a big event society, and I'm a big event person. I love big events. I, I, I love, man, today watching some NFL football or college football, the big event, the, the national championship, the, 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 the Super Bowl. We, I mean, we, we love the big event. But can I tell you, championships are not won on the day you watch the game. They are won months and years from people being disciplined and practicing and, and running and lifting weights and learning learning the plays and doing the little things day in and day out. And then one day we see them as a success and as a champion, but they got there by developing habits on a daily basis. And I'm telling you, if you want to develop spiritually, if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to be a spiritual success, it takes practice. Well, pastor, I don't know. Now you mean I gotta, I gotta read my Bible. I gotta get practice. You, you mean, you mean I gotta worship and, and, and pray? It takes practice. Well, I don't know if I wanna practice. Well, you're not gonna grow spirits if you don't practice. You gotta come to church and worship. Get in a small, practice. Get in a small group. Serve in a ministry. Practice. It takes practice. The Bible says it like this. Train yourselves to be godly. Culture's pulling one way. Society's pulling one way. Question for you. Are you choosing discipline over disorder? Or does your daily spiritual habits, are they all out of whack and in chaos? It takes practice to be all that God wants us to be. I want to share a third point with you today, a third point, and that is this. Stand up by choosing love over life. Friends, I, I want you to know that Daniel did not want to become Sunday's dinner for the lions. But when he was faced with a decision, he chose love over life. Daniel's love for God was so important. It was, it was more important to him even than his own life. Is God more important to you than anything else? Is God more important than being accepted by your peers? Is God more important than the pursuit of power, pleasure, possessions, happiness? Is God more important than you pursuing your own ambitions and goals? There's an old song that I love, and it says this, Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. Nothing I desire compares with you. And friends, that is how you summarize Daniel's life. Nothing I desire, God compares with you. If you don't know the story, Daniel stood up and he chose character over compromise. He chose discipline over disorder. And you know what they did to Daniel? They threw Daniel in the lion's den. Now, all of us Christians who have been serving God a long time, we're going, amen. And God delivered him out of the lion's den. Praise God. But Daniel didn't know that. Oh, no, back up the story. 
It's a great story now, but you be Daniel. Them lions are hungry. And Daniel said, you know what? I love God so much. Nothing I desire compares with you. And God, I want to live. But I love you more than I love my own life. And he stood up for what was right. And he was thrown in a lion's den. Can I tell you, standing up for what's right is not always easy. Sometimes you'll find yourself in the middle of a lion's den because you chose the right thing. Because Clara Looper took a stand, you may not realize this about her life. She went to jail 26 times during her life for peaceful, nonviolent protest. Because standing up is not always easy, but it's always worth it. And can I tell you, some of you today, this is hitting home because you're facing situations in life and career with family, with finances, with, with, with community involvement. You're facing decisions and you have the opportunity to compromise because if I do, Pastor, I might get the raise. I might get in with the boss. I might be well liked by this person in the community. I, I can get in if I just do that. I, my, my kids might be more favored and well-liked if I just do this. If I just chime in in the conversation and tear that person down, it'll make me look good over here. I'm just asking you, when you're under pressure, can you say, you know what, God? I'm standing firm. I choose character over compromise. I choose discipline over disorder. And God, I may get thrown into the lion's den and it may not be easy, but I choose loving you over my own life. It's not always easy, but it's always right and it's always worth it. I hope, I hope standing firm, I hope that's your dash.